Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. All right, everyone, let's talk about tattoos today. Hi, welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name is Elle. Hi, John. Hi. Hi. Uh, John, you have, do you have any tattoos? Uh, I have one. You have one. um, I have an appointment on the 25th of this month to go get a another um or at least to do a consult and decide if i if i do want the other all right so Uh, yeah i want to we have a guest here and i'll not i'll tag them in in a minute wink um it's just like a an orgy like sometimes you just gotta wait your turn right sorry i went to a sex club last night so my mind is filled with naked bodies okay this episode (laughs) is going to be in regards to tattooing and sexuality and consent um I don't care if you don't have any tattoos. You might really find this interesting. People come up to me. I have a lot. Um, I have a lot. And I got mine because I was mostly either covering parts of my body I didn't like or featuring ones that I did. Um, John, you got your tattoo after someone passed away. Yeah. Right. So we're going to talk about how tattoos impact people's like their lives, really, and their sense of self. Uh, We have with us Alice Carrier. Hi, Alice. Hello. Hello. Alice, you are a licensed tattooer and artist in Portland, Oregon. You're the owner of Lovebird Tattoo Studio. How long have you been working as a tattoo artist? Um, I've been tattooing for about eight years. Eight uh, years? Full time, yeah. Okay. And you can view her work on alicecarrier.com. Would you be comfortable explaining why, what was your motivation to get your first one, John? Because that's really going to open this up for a lot of what I want to talk to Alice about. Yeah. Um... So without going into too much detail, um, I was pretty close to someone online um, who I'd eventually begun texting and stuff, and they were a good friend, um, and they ended up uh, passing away through uh, through some pretty hard circumstances, and uh, I found out about it because their mom DM'd me on Instagram and was like, we're mm-hmm. sorry to tell you, but your, you know, insert name here, has uh, passed away last Friday. Mm-hmm. And I saw it like two days after she sent me it because I don't always check my personal account. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I was just like, oh, shit. And I got really, really sad um, because I, I used to talk to him a lot. And he was re- he was a really sweet guy. Um, he, like a lot of us, had uh, substance addiction problems. Um, but I don't I don't think that he was really able to to get over them. Um so, so that's rough. Um, and then I ended up getting a tattoo um, of his uh, his Instagram username, which I I loved. Um, it was "Pardon My Peace" um, because he was very much a a pacifist, um, and he he was very he tried to like make the world better in a lot of different little ways. So, yeah, that was that was the inspo for my tattoo. Thank you. So, and you didn't have any, and I don't think you were really had been planning on getting any. So I remember, and you and I have talked about this before, John, being self-harmers. Alice, I swear I'm going to interview you, but I'm just setting this up to explain why we're doing this episode. I had recommended to you, John, I said, have you ever gotten a tattoo? Because sometimes it's just the catharsis of kind of like the pain and it feels like a punishment, but there's an ultimate goal, which to me was beautification. And when you got it, um, didn't you say something about you felt it felt similar to you like cutting? It, it did. There's definitely a similar pain sensation and there's a little bit of release that comes with the pain because it's intentional. 
um but there's no there's no harm done right like at least no like unintentional harm so it's it's uh it's creating something so alice you you and i are friends and we talk about sometimes um you know keeping confidentiality in mind but we talk about kind of the the feelings the emotions we receive from our clients um and we get a sense of some of the feedback um so can we talk about your relationship? How has your relationship to getting tattooed affected your sense of self? Why did you start getting tattooed? Oh, that's a great question. Why did I start getting tattooed? Have you ever asked yourself before? I don't think I have. Wow. Not like that, no. Like, why did you start getting tattooed? People ask me, like, what was your first tattoo? When did you get it? But I don't think anyone's ever said, why did you get your first tattoo? Yeah, why did you start? Uh, well, like, my... It, my first tattoo I did on myself uh, when I was a kid. How I was, old? I was 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty little. Uh, what did you use? It's a safety pin. I don't recommend these tactics. <laughs> you are a licensed this tattoo is, artist. Yes, this don't is not. Do this. This, is a, <laughs> this is a mom moment of do as I say, not as I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I did. I did a small stick and poke on myself in, in middle school. I did a couple like in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. I I just wanted. Mm, mm. Did it feel did it feel good? I mean, just wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I I think to be honest about my experience, it was tied in initially with self-harm. OK, so that's really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, um, and that's. That's uh that's like hard for me to admit because it's not something that I'm like super comfortable with necessarily like promoting in tandem with tattooing as a practice like this is you know it's it's not something that I practice as self-harm now. You know what I'm hearing from all of us is we wanted to take back some control. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In have you noticed any common themes in some of your clients? Um mm. I would say yes and no. I mean, I struggle. I don't want to lump a bunch of people in together. Everyone's so different. People mm-hmm. come from really different backgrounds. They come from different walks of life. Um, but they're all coming to me because they love what I do. So they have that in common. And they love the subject matter that I work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, they're drawn to my work specifically. And so that common thread, I think, provide some similarities for sure i think it just brings us all together because for whatever reason there's there's something that we're all interested in mm-hmm. um, so when you first started going to shops john did you have a good tattoo experience do you feel like your shop was run okay based on your, oh, your yeah, one no, for sure um i just went on yelp i found the the second best rated in the area because the first one had like a lot of bad reviews but also a lot of good reviews <laughs> and that kind of scared me um so i just went to the one with the most positive reviews and it was it was neat um they had a couple artists all working in it the, the same way that you would you know like i assume they rent out space there or they mm-hmm. they're given space and then um the one i had was she was really nice she was like oh well i would charge less for this normally but we have a minimum and i'm like oh that's fine i, I didn't know about the process but that sounds you know that makes sense to me mm-hmm. like if someone wants to get something smaller you still have to pay for their time mm-hmm. um and i was like cool and i got the tattoo and she was just gave me a little paper with instructions and told me how to take care of it not to exercise for two weeks and uh yeah <laughs> Alice is smiling that's really nice um I remember yeah when I started getting tattooed um, I went to a shop that my boyfriend went to and that was the only reason I went to it and it was very it was in Temecula California for anybody who lives in that area mm. um it's a very very bro uh military um lifted truck um tribal tattoo like like a lot of slurs were thrown around and I haven't been there in a very long time. I moved out of that area in 2005, but when I started going to tattoo shops, it was definitely like as a small bodied chick who was 18, 19, just 19, like you had to be okay with hearing all kinds of rough shit and it's just boys town, you know? So, um, it was interesting how I noticed myself trying to adapt to that culture over time. And then I moved up to Portland, uh, a couple of years after that and the culture here is different, but still, I mean, I remember getting worked on at a shop that I do like, and I still send people to, but one of the artists made, um, a joke about whores or hookers or something, which is not specific to any, you know, it, any people make those jokes all the time, but I, I was laying there. I'm like, Hey, I'm a stripper. I really don't want to have to hear this while I'm getting worked on. So, um, cultural stuff just 
it bleeds in, but I'm really interested because Alice does a lot of nature stuff. You have a lot of women clients. Um, and I think a lot of people come to you because you allow people the ability to decorate themselves in a very nice way. But I think you also get a lot of first timers and you're very, very mindful about consent. So um, as someone who is also like, I don't, what was the culture like for you when you started getting tattooed? <clears throat> Um, I, I think that's really interesting because what came up for me while you were talking uh, about like your initial experiences and this more, um, I don't really know like what word to use, but like, like bro I guess, mm -hmm. like culture, um, misogynist. And then, you know, sort of describing maybe this shift into a more like femme sort of soft. Mm, I don't know. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm struggling to find words cause I don't. Mm -hmm. I, I feel yucky about divvying it up that way. But mm -hmm. but what it brought up for me was like these experiences that I've had in different tattoo studios and, and even in ones where, where I was working, like where people are sort of trading yucky jokes and the atmosphere is kind of like edgy. Like to me, that feels like trauma manifestation because mm -hmm. I've engaged in all of those behaviors Oof, me too 100 percent. so me too. i don't think like you, you know even doing the work that i do very very soft feminine florals like I've, I've absolutely blurted out some super fucked up jokes that have bummed people out because i was trying to assimilate mm -hmm. to an environment i was trying to cover up my own trauma i was like in a trauma state all the time without realizing it you know and mm -hmm. and w working on dealing with some of those issues has really shifted the way that i approach working with my clients because I'm able to sort of tap into their experiences um, mm -hmm. from a self-reflective space. Um, and so I guess I would say like initially my my experiences were, mm, mm, well, I would say my first tattoo shop experience was spectacular. Um, um, I got tattooed, uh, I don't know, I was 19 mm -hmm. and it was uh, a guy in, in town who went to the same art school that I went to. We had a bunch of friends in common. He was really, really cool. Mm, good. He was that's very so kind nice to me about my design. <laughs> oh, see, that's so wonderful. Uh, I got really lucky. Yeah. I've heard some horror stories. Yeah. For people who aren't familiar there, it's kind of like weird hazing processes that happen. Like we've talked about, um, you and I, Alice have talked about in some say maybe like, Oh, after your first one, someone's going to slap it. They're going to slap oh, it. Oh yeah. On you got to set it. Got to yeah. set it. Got to set it. It's really bad to slap a fresh tattoo. It's an open wound it hurts it can get infected yeah, why would yeah, you, do you don't that? maybe actually want to slap it <laughs> no but like that's a thing yeah you know in like some really broy tattoo culture. yeah or like the cheese grater on the wall like tattoo what? remover haha -ha. oh gross <laughs> yeah um, yeah rusty cheese grater actually kind of like i mean that's the thing is like that's the part of shop culture that kind of sucked me in in the first place is this like rowdy outsider culture gallows humor Right. But then you have stuff where it becomes very confusing if, say, and this was an issue in Portland some years ago, there was a really literally a rapist, an artist who was mm. rapey and mm -hmm. his calling cards was stuff like making women take all of their pants off if he was doing like a lower back mm -hmm. tattoo. It's like that's not necessary. So like absolute boundary violations that are power and oh it's so yucky and i remember being when i was 19 oh, i had a crush on my 35 year old artist i had a crush on him oh i wanted that older man so bad that slightly older man he wasn't interested in me and i look back on that i'm like good for him you know like good for him he i was know busy I was, yeah he was busy he was working <laughs> it's hard to be interested uh, uh, uh well unless you're a creep so can you yeah, think of any um and we're going to talk about sex stuff too i yeah. think in a little bit uh so uh, so there are ethical issues, you believe, in tattooing. I mean, there's people doing work around this. It's body work and, and we're human, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's a really vulnerable environment. It's a spectacularly vulnerable environment. And people are, uh, you know, they're uncomfortable. They're usually, like, cold and clammy. It puts your body into mild shock. It brings up all kinds of, you know trauma and things that are kind of locked in your body like there are things that are happening during a tattoo procedure that i think a lot of people don't don't really consider mm -mm, especially if puke. the environment is kind of chaotic and you're just sort of trying to cope with that it's like bright lights loud machines people are talking there's music people are coming in off the street to ask questions the phone is ringing and 
and someone's hurting you and asking you questions about yourself. It's really overwhelming sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and some people really thrive in that environment. They really like it. And, and I've found myself, you know, feeling really comfortable in that chaos as well. Um, it's like a state of flow. But if, if you're not, yeah, if you're if not you can prepared enter for it or if you're overwhelmed by it, it can leave you in a state where you're really vulnerable to like not taking care of yourself or mm-hmm. advocating for yourself. It's like a subspace. So in any kind of kink like impact or no, not even impact play, but yeah, you, you can enter a space where you could be receiving a lot of pain stimulation, but you arrived at it nicely. You know, it's like you felt relaxed. Oh, do you announce your touch before you begin? I've started doing this um, with my with my sex work clients. I'm only stripping right now. I'm not doing any full service, but I will be like, here's my touch on their leg. Oh, that's a nice way to say it. Um, I do. I usually say, uh, you know, are you ready is usually what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my touch sounds nice, too, because it, it seems like if someone's eyes are closed mm-hmm. or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they would be able to understand what's about to happen. My gynecologist started. I had a gynecologist that used that, um, and I like that a That's lot. That's good. Yeah, I also yeah. I actually when I spray spray like uh, lidocaine on people, I I tend to announce it because it can be really startling. <laughs> a, cold, a cold spray can be really startling, when, especially when your eyes are closed. Did you have any anxieties about getting the work done, or what? Do you remember what kind of state of mind you were in? Um, I remember I was probably a little bit manic, um, as, as I always get whenever there are major events occurring. Like a death. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I was more nervous about the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, going to a tattoo artist was very much like going to a dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, I, wa- I knew that they knew their shit, but I'm just worried about the outcome, right? Like, I want to be able to look in the mirror and be like, oh, okay, I'm glad with, like, how this turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was less scared of the pain or the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just like... <sighs> The, the thought running through my head was like I said it was similar to a dentist I'm like oh god one slip of the hand and like <laughs> it's almost irreversible like fuck May I ask? um but they they know exactly what they're doing so I was yeah. just gonna say do you mind if I ask was there anything specific the tattooer was able to provide for you that that was able to make you feel comfortable in that environment do you remember um I just remember her being really soft spoken, which was nice. Mm. Uh, and then the fact that she was able to on paper copy what I showed her on my phone just by looking at it once and then like immediately sketch it like in the exact same like font mm. was kind of like it was very pleasing to my brain that was like, I need this to be exactly the way it is. Transactional. And she just like copies it down and I'm like, oh, my God, mm. like <laughs> It was like, uh, it was almost robotic. <laughs> I was I was really impressed. That's awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, she was just really nice. She just kind of talked to me and that kind of calmed me down. And I, I talked with her about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm drawing so many parallels in like hospitality and like touch and, you know, service industry work. Um, as far as like being risk aware. So some parts of the country, what is it? The East Coast. Do they still have tattooing that's illegal in any states? Do you know? Uh, to my knowledge now, it's 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 legal everywhere in the states. It was for a long time uh illegal in boston and new york mm-hmm. um, and and that was about they were worried about safety yeah like bloodborne pathogen stuff i think okay. for the most part and yeah there is a there's a lot of just kind of stigma coming from all sides <laughs> yeah no it's really interesting i'm thinking about like condom use and glove use in tattoo work or like that's something oh, john yeah. john oh, yeah yeah you can watch lots of old videos of like way up into the 80s of people tattooing without gloves it's uh hard to look at <laughs> and again why does it matter what if we're being risk aware why does it matter why do you need gloves alice why do you need gloves yeah uh, oh well because there are bloodborne pathogens yeah because there's blood you yeah. bleed and all kinds of stuff comes out if you're having sex or playing sports or getting a tattoo like there should be clear communication and just right uh, that and that like the bloodborne pathogen stuff gets covered on the consent form Right. So, yeah, I mean, if, and, and that's something that, like if it needs to come up, w- we can talk about it individually and it, it doesn't have to affect the, uh, you know, quality. Like we we treat every like the universal precautions basically states like you just treat everything that's contaminated as contaminated. Mm-hmm. There are no documented cases of bloodborne pathogen transmission, according to the CDC, mm-hmm. through tattooing, to my knowledge. But I would 
double check that. I'm glad that tattooing is legal is what I'm saying. Like, I'm glad it's something that is actually licensed and regulated and people can go do it. And it's legal because a lot of the fear around tattooing is that you can get a disease. But it's like not if you go to a clean. The point I'm trying to make is not if you go to a place that maintains itself. Right. Yeah. At this point, especially now, so much is single use. Uh, Yeah. Well, John brought up the shop minimum and it's like you probably don't want to. You have to like use items and throw them away for each client. Right. Right. Yeah. Everything at this point is it's like from a legal perspective, like all needles are single use in the state of Oregon. Mm -hmm. uh, Really? So there's no Mm -hmm. like no one's even trying. What's an autoclave? An autoclave uh, is a sterilizing device. So there are tubes um, that can be sterilized using an autoclave. And an autoclave is what like a, a doctor a doctor, you know, uses an autoclave instrument for Ooh. surgery. Ooh. Right. So an autoclave fully sterilizes. It uses steam to kill everything. Um, and so single use needles come sterilized i think using a chemical sterilizer not an autoclave uh, but it's it, i if this is boring i'm sorry no this is fascinating <laughs> i'm sorry i'm just thinking i'm always thinking about sex transmission and like sti any kind of disease transmission right it's all similar but we'll take a break we'll be right back rax is the first native app designed by and for sex workers with unique features like a social feed club reviews income tracking and event calendars Use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on racks and more events, in-depth courses, and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.racks2riches.com. R-A-C-K-S to riches.com. And just for Strange Bedfellows listeners, use discount code SBP at checkout for 10% off any educational products. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing holistic options that work with your schedule. Our Sin Yin classes are meant to help you wind down, reset, and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? The first Sin Yin class is free to new members, and we offer discounts on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the app to check out all of our industry-friendly class times. All right, uh, John, we have some listener questions. Alice has a huge fan base, (laughs) not just on the internet, but in Portland. We walk around, sometimes we get tea and we go for little walks and she gets recognized. (laughs) Oh yeah, just me. Never L. Never L. (laughs) Uh, There's just a lot of black coming down the street talking very loud when it's us, so hard to miss. Um, All right, John, could you read this first listener question? I've never had a tattoo before. Is there anything I should know before my appointments? Eat something like a couple hours before? What do you think, Alice? Yeah, I think all of those things are great. I think the thing that, that maybe you should know before your appointment is mostly just like what you want. Like what you want to get out of your tattoo. I think I mostly I, I think I check in with people and they just seem a little nervous and worried. And I want to be able to make them feel really secure. Hmm. And sometimes I struggle if I'm if I'm worried that they're not 100% sure what they want. I want to feel like everybody's really on the same page about what's about to happen. It's in terms of like what's going on their body, what they Correct. want. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like, like if they wise have. And okay. So when you actually, when you lay it on the body to get a preview of the outline, it's really nice to stand up. And that's something. Ooh, that's important. If your artist is rushing you. But you're like, oh, when I move, it might look awkward this way or it's pointing in a weird direction. Speak up because it's on you forever. Yeah. Like that that part of of navigating a a tattoo experience, I think, is is one of the biggest sort of emotional interpersonal struggles for a lot of people. Like the dynamic of, of someone maybe not wanting to make a correction or ask for something to change because uh, maybe an artist is is really happy with the image Mm. and they're really excited about it the way that they've produced it Mm. and so I've seen this sort of Mm -hmm. this dynamic yes this back and forth dynamic of maybe someone wanting to ask for something and and that comes back to really control I think a lot of times and so 
offering um actually this might be a good time to bring up the trauma where um, yeah tattoo pamphlet Tamara Santibanez yeah. yeah so I, I was ju- I was just looking over it again this morning and one of the things that it talks about is 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 providing those just like check-ins with a client about like do you like the way that this sits on your you know on your collarbone maybe do you do you mm-hmm. like the way this wraps would you like it bigger and and giving them a sense of control or agency throughout the experience can really make a person feel more comfortable it makes me feel more comfortable too absolutely so the artist you're uh, alice is speaking of um hi again we're uh, we're speaking with alice carrier of lovebird tattoos in portland oregon uh so tamara santibanez T-A-M-A-R-A-S-A-N-T-I-B-A-N-E-Z is a New York tattooer, I believe, woman. And she's developed these pamphlets on consent, trauma-aware, consent-aware, I'm butchering the title, but tattoo practices. Yeah, it's available on Mm -hmm. disciplinepress.com and through her website, TamarSantibanez.com. And on her Instagram, you can download PDFs. So you told me about this, um... And I am thrilled that anybody's doing that kind of work because that is miles away from, again, what we've experienced. Um, and also, like, if, John, I don't know if you've... But think about, like, hierarchies of things. So say that you go to get a tattoo from a really famous artist. And they're like, this is what you're getting. And you're like, this is what I'm getting because they said so. It's, like, it's unhealthy to me, like, if you're a famous, like, say, a hot dom around town. And the dom's like, this is what you're doing. And you're like, this is what I'm doing because he said so. Like, if that's fulfilling to a person, yeah. that's fine. But there's a lot of ways that can go wrong. This is a dynamic I've seen play out over and over again. It's not yeah. just sex. <laughs> that's a really good that's a really good point. That's an interesting way to look at it because I I recently sort of shifted my practice into doing more um, project-based work where I'm I'm producing a project. I'm saying, this is what I'm offering. If you'd like it, please, please come different. see me. That's different. Right. And, but, right. but I struggled against finding a way to present that dynamic because I think before I was able to be... I, I think comfortable enough with myself to say like, this is what I know I have to offer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would worry that I was trying to exert my will. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I made this design, you have to get it the way that I said, you mm-hmm. know, where I said it, like, that's not what I want. I want a dialogue, but mm-hmm. I also have a vision that I'd like to do my best to communicate. And when I, feel like I'm not on the same page as my client, it can be a little bit of a struggle. So the project offerings is, is a really great way to start that that boundary based consent based mm-hmm. dialogue mm-hmm. of producing artwork together and it does really parallel a lot of kink practices in terms of like not really being a hierarchy when you look at what's really happening it might appear that way initially like this is, you know, this is my special design and you're coming to get it. But it, it, it's true that we're on an equal playing field and both people need to be able to check in with each other. Mm-hmm, definitely. So if you've never had a tattoo before, be aware that that dynamic can exist. Um, otherwise, eat some food a couple hours before you oh, go. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what we're talking about. What do you <laughs> Drink need to some know water. before you get a tattoo? Yeah. Have water. some water handy. I'll have water. You know, you go to a, don't bring water. Everybody leaves their water bottle. <laughs> you get tattooed. You get tired. You leave your water bottle. We have water. We have filtered water please let me get you a glass of water but do bring a snack because there's no guarantee (laughs) do bring a snack do bring a snack good blood sugar yeah you need um lollipops are great i remember it's like when you give blood the first time i had an hiv test they they took three vials nowadays they can do a droplet okay technology's improved a lot in like 12 years um but i almost passed out so and that's the thing you could pass out you could puke that's true um we can talk about that also later yeah yeah uh let's do the next question okay uh john can you read this one too uh sure i started a piece but that artist makes me uncomfortable making comments about how he wishes more of his clients were single and making comments about bodies and stuff as well but now i don't want to go back and have the same piece finished. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I worked with a girl and that was a thing. And that guy I mentioned earlier with having women take their, she actually went to that guy. He got run out of town eventually. Um, I know who you're talking about. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so 
That's unfortunate. It's funny. Both of my artists, both of my men artists, and I have a, I have three primary artists in my life and my woman ones in California. My two men are here. The two men are owners of some very uh, reputable shops. I'll just say them Atlas and scapegoat. Um, they've told me they're like, Oh, I've fixed so much of creepy that guy's work. So it is a thing. Have you ever fixed anybody? You're not really, you don't really do cover ups though. Do you? I do sometimes. Do yeah. You? Um, yeah, this comes up. It's a big bummer. It's like the worst thing to hear. This does come up and it is real fucked up. <laughs> not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the sort of thing you really run into tattooers not wanting to finish each other's work. And, and that so could be an ego thing. I it think. can be a bit of an ego thing, but it's also, it's just kind of like if it's your colleague and it's, you know, it, it's a very small community. It's a weird, it's a weird ask sometimes. So uh, mm. it just really depends on the piece and being really transparent and honest, just letting an artist know, Hey, like I had this negative experience. I'd, I'd love to get this piece finished, but the artist creeped me out. Um, mm-hmm you will find an artist who wants to help you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what a great way to let community know that there's a problem. Yeah. And there have been a, f- a few like public Instagram call outs of like different tattooers really? over the, over the last few years that I've seen on Instagram where there have been really fucked up incidents and yeah, you know, the community policing is really, it's all we have sometimes. I mean, yeah, especially when it comes to like, this space where where people struggle to get any fucking help from law enforcement so right yeah exactly um, yeah so uh so yeah so that's a thing but that's really good advice yeah being open about this is why i don't want to go back is it it can be hard to talk about so i i don't know i don't want to tell someone that they have to right you know drag up their guts to to get something done but but if if you have a piece that's not finished and you're running into roadblocks where people are like no i'm i'm totally booked and i don't want to do that you know like what you really need maybe really need to express is like i had this this negative experience and i'm i'm struggling to find somebody to finish this piece or i don't want to go back to this artist because they made me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm uh, yeah are there any uh would you say that there are any red flags to look out for? Like, since you are a tattoo artist and you kind of know what to look for better, mm-hmm. say that you were walking into a tattoo shop today to get a tattoo and you see a couple of things around the shop that maybe make you like realize that maybe it's not a spot for you. Uh, what would those like red flags be? Uh, for me, I'm very like go with my gut. And so if I'm in a shop, I'm there because I've, maybe have heard of the artist or maybe I have heard of the shop or there's something about it that brought me in there before. And then once there, if there's anything going on in there that makes me feel uncomfortable, like I guess I would just leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. If, it is. I yeah, mean it's like really person to person. Could prices be like clearly advertised or is there a way to tell if they're using clean needles? No, mm-hmm. I think all of that stuff, like you really just, there's a certain level of reputation. I think that, well, I don't know if that's true. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are the sort of things that sometimes people look for. Yeah. To, to feel like safe in that environment. Like, is it clean? Is it safe? Um, but, but really if a shop's operating, um, you know, full time in public as a retail space, they're, they've likely been inspected repeatedly. They, (laughs) they're licensed by the state of Oregon here Mm -hmm. if it happens here. So I can only speak, I guess, to my experiences in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to know. It's like, how do you, how do you know who's a creepy Tinder date by looking at them? The the face of tattooing is totally different than it was even 10 years ago. People, um, they, they are able to find people travel all over the place to Mm. get tattooed. Now, when I first started tattooing the concept that someone would travel to get a tattoo from me, like made me freak out. (laughs) I was so, so like full of imposter syndrome. Like, why would you come all the way here? You know, I still feel like it's really cool. I know a lady who stood, stood three hours in a line to get a hug from a spiritual healer. So I mean, yeah, sounds nice. Well, that's it. And so it's like, it's the future, right? We have all of this access in front of us. So what we can do is, is find the art that really speaks to us. And then, you know, from there, find out if that 
that person's even available. Mm -hmm. I think it is now about listening to your body, listening to your gut, like listening to those little alarm bells that go off when you enter a space or look into some experience and you're like, is this for me? If it doesn't feel like it's for you, like you don't have to do it. There's enough tattooers out there Mm -hmm. that if you walk into a place and you feel kind of creeped out or maybe just the way that they talk to you makes you feel dumb. Yeah. No, that's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck that. Don't give them your money. They have other people who want what they're making and those people will serve them as clients and they can serve those clients. And then Mm -hmm. you can go find the person that's so psyched to make you the thing that you're so psyched to get. Mm -hmm. There's, there's so much room Mm -hmm. in this world for people to, to find what they need, but you have to really listen to, you know, your own internal compass about that stuff it can mm-hmm. be really hard mm-hmm. so now let's flip it real quick we have a couple of minutes on this one uh next question i want to be a good client what are some things that tattoo artists don't like from their clients so that i can avoid doing them <laughs> huh? all clients are good clients <laughs> it's true <laughs> showing up for a tattoo the customer is, the... is not always right. the customer is not always right but <laughs> anybody that wants to get a tattoo fucking rules what about don't hit on don't hit on your artist don't maybe hit don't, on your artist maybe don't make like comments yeah don't be creepy to your artist absolutely uh yeah that's a that's a great that's a great thing i've had absolutely mm, Ooh, can I tell a funny story that my old piercer lady told me? Sure. So she was Mexican. Uh, she said that she was about to pierce the lip of a guy who then said something racist about Mexicans. So she said she did not lubricate the needle. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. Oh, so much negativity there. But like, really, what there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy power exchanges that can happen. Yeah. Let's I, acknowledge that. I personally would would never feel comfortable <laughs> I, like my body like clenched up thinking about i that. saw like, your face i, I know like, oh no but but this is yeah no because it's important like this is this, uh, not to be too woo but like this is pretty fucking sacred to me so i don't take lightly the fact that i that i have that that power and i would never uh, like no makes my body feel very uncomfortable but you don't like doing harm to people no not you do not, not i don't you don't so Uh, one of the ways you can be a good client is communicate your needs to your artist. So like maybe if you do feel like you're going to puke or you need to pee or eat something or pass out, is it maybe I would say, so another thing I've started saying to my clients is like raise a hand if you need to adjust or whatever. So something like that, because I've gone to like, you know, the, the tattoo conventions where people will go, they'll seek out the artist or they'll just get something and a bunch of people are watching and they don't want to tap out. So people Uh, will, will, lose their shit or like crap themselves or something like it can get gnarly yes yes (laughs) because they weren't listening to their bodies well and yes conventions are really overwhelming experience too right i don't like conventions it's it's (laughs) high risk for passing out for sure um Um, what can you be oh here this is something i've heard you speak of alice communicate your needs as a client so when you email be like brief about what you're looking for you know, like it doesn't maybe necessarily require a, a lot of people come with their backstory, I think. Yeah. And their emotions. I think having kind of like a healthy balance between being open and friendly and being like, this is who I am. This is what I'd like to get. This is maybe why, you know, because sometimes that is helpful. Sometimes sometimes having some story can be helpful for formulating imagery, especially if it's something mythological or magical mm-hmm. or whatever. So I get excited about some of that. So but yeah, I think being concise and, and direct and and just having kind of a clear understanding again of, of what you want and, and learning to communicate that is really helpful. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to write a whole story about like whoever whatever why yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's something i get too because people are like excited and they're projecting and they really just have one question but they tell me a lot more i get really triggering emails sometimes yes and it can be difficult for me um right because again you're working in trauma right you are you're a healer (laughs) you are Uh she's always making like salves and butters and snacks (laughs) and treats and you're such a maker. A plant witch. It's wonderful to watch. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break and we're going to talk about dead bodies. <laughs> hey, friends. Are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive and body positive. 
We are just over the 205 Bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or NetherlandsWax.com. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. How gnarly. Oh my god. Sorry, it's just too gnarly. (laughs) I'm reading this article that we're looking at with Elle, and it's Morticians Preserve Tattooed Skin of dead loved ones as artwork yeah in ohio a father-son duo they have spent years developing a special process that preserves this person's skin and the tattoos on it after they die that's cool (laughs) i think this is a good time to mention there's a really strong overlap between tattooers and people who thought about going to mortician school (laughs) i'm serious it's like a almost full circle venn diagram this is like human taxidermy (laughs) that's right yeah alice has said before that they're they they suspect or you and some of your peers have talked about how many of you thought about going into mortician work (laughs) which is again body work yeah i think yeah body work that's so fascinating. So this father-son duo in Ohio, they said they came up with the idea over drinks with friends. One friend had recently lost his father and told the pair he wanted his father's tattoo preserved. So I have said before, I'm like, when I die, make me into a curtain, which is <laughs> kind of grotesque, like really mm-hmm. don't. But here it's save my ink forever on uh, social media. Do they like frame them? Yes, they oh, frame okay. them. Oh. Hashtag funeral products there's a really creepy rolled doll short story about a back tattoo that mysteriously ends up in a gallery (laughs) oh wow Roald doll was a creepy author he was he was he wrote (laughs) did he write for playboy oh i don't know yeah Roald doll was a children's james and the giant peach he wrote erotica as well right he wrote erotica and the story i was referring to is for an adult story but not erotica yeah he wrote two adults yeah he wrote i have some of those um so this, so the Sherwoods is the father's son. So it's Save My Ink Forever, a business that gives people the option to preserve their loved one's tattoo as a piece of artwork. It's based in Northfield, Ohio, about 30 miles south of Cleveland. The process takes three to four months. So the tattoo is surgically cut out of the body at the funeral home within 70, 72 hours of the person passing and can be done before or after embalming is completed. There's no maintenance. Just treat it as you would fine art, he says. Huh. Tight. Um, I wonder how much that costs, but the tattoos were expensive and death preparation <clears throat> is expensive. So What are the hmm. like issues around owning human body parts? I yeah. Think. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Something but people else have skulls, so. That's true. That's true. And I mean, if you gave consent, if you're like, this is my yeah. part and I want this person to own it. Yeah. What if the person's like, I don't want this. <laughs> mm. Oh my God. What if you're like carve out all my tattoos, like frame them and send them to my enemies. Ew. Like, <laughs> people just get like your body in the mail. They're just like, gnarly. John, <laughs> this is the new level of petty. John. There's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> referencing again, uh, the class that I took with Dan Gilsdorf from Atlas tattoo. He showed us some slides of uh some i i can't remember some prisoners who had been um like their tattoos had been cataloged and then they were executed and their skins had been preserved and cataloged oh my god what country was this uh, you don't know yeah who knows i don't don't want to make it up off the top of my head right totally absolutely Uh, that's insane uh good for you on on not talking out of your ass you're really good at not doing that do tattoo artists ever um go to cadaver school to learn how to work with flesh no but that would be so cool (laughs) no we practice on ourselves we practice on each other we practice on our very 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 generous friends and family (laughs) Um, (laughs) because i know that injectors and people who do like aesthetics for fillers or botox they'll do cadaver courses that's yeah. that's really interesting. Well, the good I have do. like so many questions yeah. for estheticians, actually. Yeah. Well, dead skin and living skin behaves differently, so I'm interested. Um, there are yeah. this this is time time uh, dot com. See rare images from the early history of tattoos in America. Uh, this was by Olivia B. Waxman a couple years ago. Getting tattoos can be painful, but did you know they were partly invented to treat pain? In the mid-18th century... Oh, is that when they fucking invented tattoos? Cool. (laughs) 
Native Sorry. American women <laughs> I know, right? Tattooed themselves to alleviate toothaches and arthritis similar to acupuncture. Uh, interesting. I don't know. That's an interesting lead in. for Yeah, that's that's funny. The word tattoo has late 16th century origins. Somewhat ironically, in the United States, their history among indigenous peoples goes back even earlier than that. No shit. Yeah. People have been tattooing the entire time we've been people. Thousands of years. The oldest mummy with tattoos is uh, 5,000 years old. Really? Yeah. And that's just that that he's an ice mummy. I mean, soft tissue falls off. People have been tattooing the whole time we've been people. Right. (laughs) We just only have evidence going back you know as far as we can find bodies with skin still on them there's so this little piece is called okay so it's early tattoos in america so it's uh that's why it's written that way uh (laughs) yeah and that's like early tattoos in in america like the united states of america (laughs) yeah right which america exactly thank you for pointing that out uh so this article says at the bottom At the time, this is in the 70s, when tattoos were seen as signs of promiscuity, Ruth Martin, a tattoo artist during this time, the 1970s, says many of her clients were women getting a divorce, including one who told her that she, quote, wanted to be able to change her body to something that her ex-husband had had no experience with. Oh, fuck yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And oh my God, funny enough, some tattoo artists moved their offices out of the city while some just worked out of their apartments during this ban on um, tattoos because of a hepatitis outbreak in 1961, but they they blamed it on a Coney Island tattoo artist, but who knows if that had anything to do with his tattooing yeah, or his dick, who knows. Um, Mayor Giuliani lifted the ban in 1997. So well, yeah. A broken clock can still do decent bullshit. Thanks, Giuliani. (laughs) Wow. Didn't think I'd see that name in this article. Um, I'm glad that you knew that about the the 5,000-year-old. Yeah, his name's Otzi. Otzi! O-T-Z-I. Yeah, um, people have been tattooing for millennia. Mm -hmm. And there are enduring you know, cultural practices all over the world that that are tied in with really, really old practices. And so what what we see is like American traditional tattooing is super new. Mm-hmm. Um, it says in the 1930s, when Social Security numbers were introduced, people flocked to tattoo parlors to get numbers inscribed on their arms, chests or backs as a memory aid. See, I wonder if like, you know how last couple months ago, a bunch of people flocked to Area 51 to meet some aliens. Was like, it like 10 people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, when I see things like that, that's 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 usually how I interpret it. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Everyone's got their social security. Yeah. I'm like, um, and also during the wartime when the Nazis forced people to be inscribed. That's another thing. So consent in tattooing, tattooing. Mm. And I've thought this, it can be the most exciting beautification, like empowering process, or it can be dehumanizing mm-hmm. tracking code. Yeah. So, and the only difference is consent really in context. Yeah. And yeah. again, consent applies to so much that we do. So much that we do. Yeah. Um, I want to see if you have any. Um, <laughs> uh, that, sorry. That made no, me go think. for it. Well, I mean, that made me think of like the, the issue of like you see a lot of like those Instagram accounts that are like making fun of like shitty tattoos mm. or and, and often you'll see like um, um, people presented as, as maybe being funny with having like really big face tattoos, especially women that have like large gang face tattoos. But what mm. you see is sometimes that's that's an issue of lack of consent right like somebody maybe has obtained like really defacing like tattoos it still shows up in culture like people being tattooed under duress right either ownership ownership yeah like sex trafficking um it's pretty fucked up so (laughs) so you can't just look at a picture and be like lol why the fuck would somebody get that tattoo it's like yeah great question why would somebody get that tattoo why would somebody get some dude's name all the way across their face Trigger warning to anybody who follows Christy Mack, but anyone who is familiar with Christy Mack's domestic violence um, incidents a couple of years ago where she was attacked. And I mean, he was probably trying to kill her, but her ex-boyfriend, War Machine, she had his um, his his fighter name tattooed on her back for a while. 
And she also testified about that night when he tried to kill her. Um, and she's been during that time, like fairly open about like it was like an emotionally abusive relationship where she felt there was ownership issues. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. So you that, can't make any assumptions. No, no, no. Yeah. Thank you for bringing and that up. And you can't assume that somebody, you know, didn't just want to get their boyfriend's tattoo across their face. Yeah. Some, some people do. But it but it it comes up, you know, like it comes up in the context of what I do. I, I have fucking face tattoos. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. So I'm in this kind of like weird gray zone where I read to some people as like sketchy looking. If you have any um, empowering genital sex, gender, feminism tattoos, please show us. Uh, <laughs> email us, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com or DM us. DM us, strangebedfellowspdx <laughs> on Instagram. I am stripper writer on Instagram. You can find Alice Carrier. That's C A R R I E R. <laughs> it took me a second. Dot com. John, where can people find you? Uh, metric cafe on Instagram. Cool. And then also check out Tamara Santibanez about the consent aware tattooing practices. Um, yeah, she's Tamara Santa at, at Tamara Santabanias on Instagram. And yeah, I'm, I'm Alice Rules on Instagram. Yes, Alice Rules on Instagram. All right, thank you so much, everybody. And then listen to our after show. Um, thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows podcast. To find behind the scenes photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only one dollar find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and instagram at strangebedfellowspdx you can find me l stanger on stripperwriter.com and instagram as l stanger Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.